to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us today to talk to female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah, I missed you last week. I know, and you left me to do it all by myself. <laughs> I know. How did it go? <laughs> I heard from my husband that it wasn't too bad. Oh, good. <laughs> I was kind of nervous on the introduction. I'm like, I'm just like codependent on her for doing the introduction. <laughs> I got to get over this. Well, thanks for um, letting me step away. I had so many events last week that I couldn't even keep track of what I was doing. So doing the show was a little bit challenging. Yeah, (laughs) I think you needed to take a break. Yeah, well, and by break, I was driving up to Seattle. Yeah, you went to Seattle and you stayed with your buddy. I did. I did. Fun. You rode the ferry. Super fun. Yeah. So any of my friends that moved to Seattle end up living on one of the islands because that's where they can afford to live. Is lower cost on the island? It is. Yeah. It's lower cost. um, But it comes with a challenge, and that is that you are on an island. Right. (laughs) And so you have to take ferry. So I had an event at 11, but I had to get up to get on the ferry at 530. Oh, gee. Yeah. So it makes your day very long, but it's really fun. Like, And, you know, people that are commuting on the ferry, to them, it's like taking the bus. It's not a big deal. You can drink on the ferry. You can do whatever you want. I was out, (laughs) like, it was stormy. It was cold. I was out, like, on the ledge, like, titanicing it. Like, I was so excited. Like, I thought it was so cool. You were the lady on the front of the boat yeah, and with your hair in the wind. Yeah, totally. Everyone else is just like, what is that crazy person doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I was super into it. It was really Getting fun. Getting extra oxygen. Yeah, yeah. I was very into it, although I didn't like having to get up so early. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have some food news today. Yes. We have one final holiday fair we would like to tell people about. It is Renegade Craft here in Portland. So that's oh. the one I was doing up in Seattle. They oh. brought it here now this week. Nice. So it is December 21st and 22nd from 11 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, There's lots of fun food friends that are going to be there. So ones we haven't talked about on the show yet. uh, Alchemist Jam, Mm. Freeland Spirits, Olympia Provisions. And then we have some past guests. Haas Sauce are going to be there. And then future guests, Oomph Foods is going to be there. Mm. So everybody should come to that this weekend. It's at 1315 Northwest Overton. It's called Pure Space. It's an event space in Northwest. Nice. Yeah. So everyone should come. And if you're a food entrepreneur and you have a press release for us, to announce, submit those to startupradionetwork.com and we can help spread the word about your events, new products, awards, anything you would like us to talk about, we will talk about. Uh, But today we are joined in the studio by one of my super 
super good buddies, Megan Scott. Welcome, Megan. Hello, thank you. <laughs> so good I'm so excited to see to, you to chat with Megan today. I know, me too. So uh, Megan and I are friends from our Canning Club, Portland Preservation Society, is how we met. And um, when Megan first started coming to Portland Preservation Society, she was posting on Instagram from Joy of Cooking, and I thought. She must really love Joy of Cooking, <laughs> but I'm surprised she doesn't get in trouble for using that Instagram handle. But I was like, oh, they just must be really into it, her and John. I know. It's like unbelievable that we have the Joy of Cooking people living in our fair city. Yes. So, And I think people are confused by it all the time. So, Megan, can you bring light to this subject for us? Sure. So my husband, John Becker, is Irma Rombauer's great-grandson, um, and about 10 years ago, he decided that, you know, I think for a long time he had uh, avoided working for the family business for, prob- you know, obvious reasons. It's this iconic cookbook. Um, and I think he, you know, his dad didn't want him f- to feel pressured to take it over. So he didn't. Um, but then after reading something that his grandmother wrote um, in the 60s, he felt like um, he should really, you know, take over the family business and help um, keep the book alive. And not long after he decided that, I met him and uh, asked him out on a date and we eventually got married and then I got sucked into this huge project of revising the cookbook. (laughs) When you met him, did you know that that was the family business? I did. Actually, that's how we met. Um, So I was working at this little bakery in Western North Carolina and I was talking to a coworker of mine about Joy of Cooking because it was my favorite cookbook. And he said, well, didn't you know that the guy whose family wrote Joy of Cooking works at that coffee shop down the street? Um, And I've thought he was messing with me. So I went to the coffee shop after I got off work and uh, asked the barista about it. And it happened to be John. And he (laughs) sort of blushed. And then he was like, yeah, that's my family. Um, And I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. And then you asked him out on a date. the best story ever. (laughs) So good. Did you ask your husband on a date, Sarah? No, I hired him. You hired him? Yeah, (laughs) which is really funny because now we've we've worked together ever since then. Yeah. So he... um, that's kind of a funny story because he worked at, so I worked at Urban Outfitters. I was the manager there and I was in charge of hiring and he worked at the one in Seattle and he moved here and Mm. he came in for a job or he called for a job and I wrote his name and number on a post-it and then I put him on the schedule and then I lost the post-it. And so I had him on the schedule forever. And then all of a sudden we were taking the trash out. This was like a week later and everybody kept being like, who is this Dirk person? And I was like, I don't know. It's this guy I hired over the phone. He worked in Seattle. I wouldn't have to train him. I was really stoked about it. And then I found the note on the post-it when we were taking the recycling out. Sweet. And oh, wow. then I called him. <laughs> That's when so you we called could, him. Yeah, we could have never met, potentially, if I, if I actually lost the post-it, but we found it. Just for the record, I asked my husband out, too. You did? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> it's it's a a thing. strategy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I encourage women to do that. And I did ask him to come. I didn't know. I don't know if it was really a date the first time we went and did something, but I asked him to go to a black metal show with me here. Oh, that's, <laughs> I think that's a date. Yeah. yeah and he did. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, Megan, I was going to say, while you were working that job, when you went in to meet John for the first time, you were a baker, right? At that yeah, point that's in right. time? Yeah. So do you think that you have brought anything new and special to this edition of the book with your baking knowledge? I, I definitely think so. I mean, I will say, I think that the baking chapters in Joy of Cooking are some of the strongest chapters. Or they, mm-hmm. they have just been the strongest over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because Irma really, um, she loved baking, especially cakes. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I don't think while we did make a lot of changes to the baking chapters in this edition, it was more just uh, an attempt at modernizing them mm-hmm. because in a lot of cases, some of the recipes just felt outdated or not, you know, not flavorful enough, not kind of what modern cooks expect when they make something. So yeah. it was more an attempt to modernize than the chapters really needed help. Oh, yeah. And do you have any any baking recipes that you can talk about that are new to this edition? Uh, sure. Well, there's um, one of my favorites is the cheddar scallion biscuits, oh, yeah. um, which Ooh. that's actually a, a recipe that I've been adapting ever since I worked at that bakery in North Carolina. Um, we used to make these big cheddar scallion biscuits. But kind of what I have done to change the recipe is um, I use a folding technique, kind of like when you make uh, croissants or any laminated pastry dough. So you're folding the butter in and that makes it really flaky and tall. And then you also sprinkle uh, shredded cheddar on the baking sheet before you put the biscuits down so that it melts and gets crispy around the edges while I bake. Those sound awesome. So (laughs) I haven't made that one yet, but now I want to immediately. Yeah, so the first thing that I made out of the Joy of Cooking in like 1985, which is when I received my first Joy of Cooking from one of my good friends in college, was the caramel corn. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, oh my God, I love the caramel corn recipe. I'm buying you the cookbook. So you had the 1975 edition. Probably I still have it at home. I can't wait to sort of look at like what it was and what it is. Well, that was really the 70s edition, um, which was done by John's grandmother, Marion, because Irma died in, let me think, 1962, I believe. Okay. So Marion took over after that, and she did the 70s edition on her own. Um, And that was kind of of our, yeah, it's a lot of work. That was definitely our North Star as we were doing this revision, because she was really, um, she was really a researcher and really loved to explain, you know, how cooking processes work and Mm -hmm. what ingredients do when you cook with them so she's kind of our hero since i have your ear i um sarah gave me one of these books this morning and i opened it and i started feeling the paper mm-hmm. and i'm like oh my gosh it feels really good it's <laughs> <paper is> awesome. <laughs> and you know when you get a new book you're always supposed to like open it in the center and do all that stuff but this binding is so beautiful and loose and mm-hmm. and perfect yeah, it's actually... Tell us about that. Did you do so that on purpose? We didn't. Our publisher did it, um, and we had no idea that they were doing this. But it's... Um, so the p- previous two editions, they were actually done with what is called perfect binding, yeah. which is just where they glue the pages in yeah. the back. And that usually... The glue deteriorates, and then the pages come out. Yep. But this one, um, the paper is kind of folded into signatures and sewed and then glued into the back. So it's really flexible and nice. It's a very nice... It's for this for a book this size it's important that the binding is it's amazing good. it's really nice and i don't know if you noticed sarah on the if you look at the front cover like if you take the jacket off on the oh, front is there artwork on there no there's um a beautiful um like what do you call that embossed oh, so it's like copper foil yeah copper of. foil logo and it's Ooh, so pretty very pretty yeah and that i think i bet that's something people don't even really notice because yeah, they just actually, have the cover on this is very attractive in other countries so when you go to sell this for instance in asia or something you might want to just have books with this showing no jacket yeah because they'll be attracted to that embossing in the in the metallic yeah it's beautiful beautiful. it's so nice makes it look like a real present um i wanted to talk about the since we're talking about how the book looks Mm -hmm. so um in this edition there are no photos correct um there was one edition with photos right um no actually so um there 
after the 1997 edition was published, they had so much. Um, so the thing about that edition was the editor and her um, the team of people that she hired, they created so much content for the book that they didn't have room for it all. So they had oh. to cut just a ton. Like they cut whole chapters. Um, they cut the canning chapters. They cut the ice cream chapter. Shame, the shame, shame. That's it is like shame. our two favorite things. Uh, Sarah's favorite thing is ice, ice cream. cream. Some of my canning. favorite things. We need uh. to can some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but they, um, so what they did after that was they came out with a series of single subject, like really small single subject books. Mm. And those did have photos because they wanted to use some of that um, content that they had to cut from the book. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. You look at those books and even though they were done not that long ago in the late 90s, um, I guess that was like 20 years ago. So maybe yeah. that was longer than I think. But um, they kind of look dated. Mm-hmm. You know, the photos are kind of golden hued and there's lots of like denim aprons and, you yeah, know, interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that um, I I wonder if you guys are pressured to put photos in there. Like, did people want you to in this version? We've been asked about it a lot. And I, I mean, a lot of people it's kind of funny with Joy of Cooking. I think a lot of people who are familiar with it already didn't want there to be photos mm-hmm. um, because it would, I don't know, it would just feel weird. The book has yeah. never had them. I uh-huh. think it's great that they're not in there, but I know that people just want, you know, people sure. just say that, you know, yeah. about it. And um, I also think it's interesting that there are no photos in it because you're one of your jobs as your, you know, day job or whatever is to create beautiful images. Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah, so I do, I have a second job where I'm a culinary director at a, a creative agency. And what we do is basically take food photos and <laughs> videos and things like that. Um, but I think for Joy, you know, we realized going into this project that it's such a massive book that we would only be, if we had photos, we would only be able to put in a very select few and then it would just feel almost irrelevant yeah. because it would be a, such a tiny fraction of the recipes in the book. Yeah. Um, so we kind of ditched that idea really early on. Mm. When what the book does have is these lovely paper cutouts. Can you talk about the artwork that's in the book? Sure. So um, for this edition, we hired a paper cut artist. Um, her name is Anna Brones and she's based in Washington State. Um, and she created these really beautiful, fanciful paper cut illustrations that are at the heading of each chapter. And that was kind of a a throwback or a nod to um, Irma's daughter, Marion, who created paper cut illustrations for the very first edition. So her paper cuts were on the cover of the book and in each chapter. Um, And they're just really, I don't know, it's just a really cool art form. Um, They almost look like silhouettes. And uh, we wanted to kind of give a nod to Marion, but also add something new to the way the book looks while while still being in keeping with that uh, classic illustration style that Joy's always had. Yeah, I think they look really nice. And we all did an event together at the Heathman over the holidays and I bought a bunch of her cards because she took the prints from this and made them into cards so it's all like fruit and vegetable themed. Yeah, they're really, really nice. They're really cool. Um, Can you just say her name one more time so people can find her on Instagram or whatever because she sells some of that stuff online on Etsy maybe. Um, And she has her own website. I think you can buy it from her there. Uh, Her name is Anna Brones. That's A-N-N-A-B-R-O-N-E-S. Yeah, so if everybody wants to find her, you can purchase her beautiful cutouts. So Sarah, that one, that picture right there, those are the cutouts that she did that have, and those are on the cards she sells. So it's like carrots and things. Did you get this? Yes. Okay. I did. <laughs> I <laughs> love her stuff. And stems, yeah, I, I think mean, it's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Pretty. And she does some um, like newsletter 
Her newsletters cool are amazing. Things, right? um, she's actually done like an ad, kind of like an advent calendar e-newsletter, um, which each day is like kind of ideas for um, either like cr- uh, craft projects or recipes or things that you can do that are kind of holiday themed. So I've actually I've subscribed to it and I've done a couple of the things like she has like a, how to make a, an, a garland out of dried orange slices. And I don't know. Oh, it's just kind so of cool. nice. Yeah, I want to find it. I remember, remembered you guys talking about it when we were um, together. But I haven't found it yet, so I need to find the the link to that so you yeah. can check it out. And I also want I wanted to ask you um, how do people find you on Instagram and all of that stuff? What's your? Uh, we're on Instagram at the Joy of Cooking, and Twitter is also the Joy of Cooking. I think on Facebook it's just at Joy of Cooking. Um, we had to take what we could get because some, someone already had Joy of Cooking on Instagram and Twitter, so we had to That's add the just not right. <laughs> imposters. <laughs> Did that cause any sleepless nights for you? No, uh, that was so long. We started those accounts like ten, over ten years ago, so yeah. it's kind of so I don't even remember. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about sleepless nights, how many did you have during this whole process? Like, what was the most stressful thing that you had to do to get this new book Uh, out? I think just the, we had a lot of sleepless nights or just we would wake up. I definitely woke up many times just wide awake in the middle of the night with thinking about things that I needed to do or Mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an incredibly stressful project. And we've kind of joked that it's taken years off of our lives because (laughs) we would just, I mean, there were times... I think we knew what we were getting into going into this, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we could have ever imagined how much work it would actually take to finish the project. Yeah. So by the end, we would be working 12 to 14 hour days, seven days a week, just trying to get it done. And I think something that people picture is like what we see in some kind of media where if you think of like a magazine or something, there's a test kitchen and there's a team of people and everybody's working around Mm -hmm. the clock to test these recipes. But really... It was just you guys in your apartment yeah. at first. I mean, yeah. when I met you, it was I was thinking, how are they doing all this in their tiny apartment? <laughs> you know so what you I mean? don't know. You prepped every single recipe. Yeah, we did. Um, all More than new, one time? Or yeah, I mean, and we did have, so we hired three part-time recipe testers to help us. And then at the beginning of the project, um, I think for at least, you know, about 300 of the recipes, we had a team of volunteers so I would send out the recipe to just a bunch of folks Um, but then as we went along that process became so time consuming that I couldn't do it anymore yeah Um, but yeah we would test them ourselves and then pass them on to our uh, recipe testers or just keep doing it ourselves until we felt like it was done Um, but then we about three years ago we were able to buy a house so now we have a, a house but the kitchen is still I mean it's it's a fine kitchen and we love it but it's small it's It's not your dream kitchen it's a two bud kitchen yeah, there's but a it, lot of houses. It was like a big that. upgrade from your yeah, other definitely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, now we have a garage, which is where we keep most of our cooking equipment. Yeah. We just have these big shelves out there with all of our appliances and like so dishes and things. Can you tell us? I had in my notes. I wanted to know what is the best blender. Mm. Did you test every kind of blender? We didn't test every kind of blender, um, but we have a Vitamix that we really like. Mm. That's um, the best blender. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's expensive. At Costco. I mean, if Costco's the determining factor, they're always there. Yeah, uh, also, that's where we got ours. They also um, will fix anything. So if your blender goes out, you can mail it back to them, and they send you a new one, or they repair it. So oh, we, nice. we use Vitamixes for our sauce. So they have it. like a, the professional ones, and mm. so even when those go out, they'll replace them which is really nice. Yeah. Go ahead, Vitamix, sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> so Vitamix it is. Mm-hmm. 
tell us a little bit about your job at the Heart Creative. What is that? Yeah, so um, it is an, a creative agency mm-hmm. here in Portland that yeah. um, we create content for natural foods companies. Okay. So most of that is, you know, photo and video of food for Instagram, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, websites, things like that. But we also do some um, strat- like social media strategy, and um, we do social media management for some of our clients. Mm. Um, so kind of a, a wide variety of things. And we've done other projects, like I've done some appliance testing, I've done some, um, I helped create a restaurant menu and all the all the recipes for the restaurant. Um, so we do lots of different things, but most of it is just creating really beautiful photos of food. And is that a small team of folks working together or what is it, like a big yeah. agency or it's, I don't know anything about Well, it. when I started, um, which was about four years ago, maybe four and a half years ago, um, I was their first employee. Oh, okay. So it was just me and the two co-founders. Mm. Um, but now we have like 22 people, Whoa, which is see, crazy. That's pretty big. <laughs> they have a cool space too with a kitchen in there. I didn't go to the original space. I've only been to oh, the new one. The original space was, it, we were like sharing a space with a photographer and it was oh. in this warehouse. Oh, and okay. we didn't even have, like we had a, a countertop oven mm. and like a hot plate. That oh, we that was well, this is a definite upgrade <laughs> yeah. then because they have this nice big kitchen and there's oh. lots of space and lots of light, which is yeah. I'm sure good do you do, for photos. So like if somebody needs a photo shoot, they can come and you'll help them in your kitchen. Yeah, I mean oh, we do. That's and, you good know, to we, know. If it, we do recipes, I'm I'm the recipe developer, so I'll you know, food develop styling. All the yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. That's why I wanted her to talk There's about part because I think a lot of our listeners, you know, most of the people that um, tune into the show are food entrepreneurs, so they have their right. own business, mm-hmm. and I think that they could really use the service. They do beautiful work. I don't know yes. if you've ever checked out the stuff that Hart does there, but it's um, yeah, it's really so amazing. Good. We yeah. have some fantastic photographers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if anybody needs that work done, contact Hart. Yes, yeah. you can meet. Megan in real life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm around. I'll be around in January. I had to take two months off for this book, like book tour and everything, but I'll be back in January. How have things been going with the book tour? Because I know that you and John, I I mean, I wouldn't say that you're like private people. Like, I think you like to talk to people, but you are introverts. Introverts. Yeah. (laughs) Has it been hard for you to be out in front of the world? Um, You know, it's been honestly the most taxing part has been just traveling Mm -hmm. Um, because we'd be in one city for two days, another city for one day. Like we were in Seattle for like one day and then had to fly to Toronto. And then, I mean, it's just been kind of a whirlwind for the past two months. So that was the hardest part, I think. But otherwise, we, we have enjoyed talking to people about the book. We've been working on it for so long that it's time. It's probably very exciting (laughs) to talk about it. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk more about your tour. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation new economic opportunities, and new experiences, because food brings people together. And we're back. (laughs) Um, Can you just tell us about um, the places that you have gone on your tour so far? Sure. Um, So we went to New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, um, where, let's see, Seattle, Toledo, Toronto, L.A., San Francisco, and, of course, Portland. 
That's um, a wild ride, man. Yeah, that's been a wild ride. <laughs> um, that's so much. Where are you, do you have more stuff planned? We do in the in the new years. We're going to be doing some events, but they're more spread out. So we're doing something in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We're going to be um, partnering with actually some of John's family own a, a winery in California, and so we're going to be partnering with them for some events. So some wine dinners and things like that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Where's the winery? Yeah, uh, it's in Saint Helena. Uh, even know which where is that is. Right <laughs> it's really close to Napa. I mean, it's okay, in the right. Napa Valley, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, got cool. a test for you. <laughs> what page? Oh no, <laughs> I can't do Does it. Does it tell you how to split a chicken down the center? Is there one of those six, in here? Six seventy-two. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea. Do people expect that you have everything memorized? Uh, I mean, sometimes people will ask us really specific questions, and it's like, yeah. I just have to check my notes. I can't answer yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. This well, is why we well, wrote it all down. Uh, what would it be under? Like, if I want it, because I'm seeing everybody Are you splitting of turkeys. Like, and, spatchcocking? Yeah, they're like cutting mm-hmm. it down the middle. And yeah, we talk about that. Okay, is it um, somewhere? It would be in the poultry chapter. Okay, so I look under poultry. Yeah, which I okay. can't remember, but it's probably around <laughs> six or seven. I'm terrible at remember. using my resources. That's why I just make things up as I go. <laughs> Well, Megan and, and John and I made a uh, hot sauce together. I think I know what page that's on. I think it's like um, 578 because I had to retype it onto the label, something like that. But we made a, um, it's a new recipe in this version that John came up with mm-hmm. for a habanero citrus sauce. And it turned out really good. Yeah, it's delicious. It's so spicy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really spicy. And for um, Thanksgiving for my family, I made the um, oven baked fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And using the buttermilk brine, but then I put some of that sauce in it. And, and oh, then that I, sounds amazing! And then I put my volcano sparkle oh in the crust. God. It was so <laughs> spicy. Like everyone in my family was like sweating, which is how they want to be. I mean, they were so happy, but it was. It turned out really good, and it was a cool technique I had never tried before. Even though when I mentioned it to John, he's like, I don't know why people don't just make fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have, yeah, we have the baked chicken, you know, yeah. the baked fried, you know, oven fried or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's a really solid recipe. I thought it was great. I mean, the fried is the kind of the ultimate, but it's sure. so messy. Um, I did just you? didn't want to be frying a bunch of chicken when my family was all there. You yeah. Know, like I wanted you, to hang the out. The house smells. Yeah. And, it's yeah. easier to just like put it in the oven. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the air fryer system? We didn't cover it at all. Mm. Um, we are not. I mean, it's kind of a, just a convection, like kind of a convection oven. It is almost. with air moving around. Um, but you know, it's kind of a. It's hard to decide what what appliances to cover and which ones not to because a lot of them are just kind of fads. Yeah. Um, what did you add in there? Uh, well, we didn't talk about air fryers, but we talked about um, immersion circulators. Oh, yeah. We talk about um, electric uh, pressure cookers. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the two big ones that we cover this time. Did you? Didn't you also add um, a spiralizer? We talk about spiralizer. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think I remember when you guys were deciding if you were uh, going to do yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Not. We kind of hate the. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't yeah. talk. I, yeah, I hand cut my zucchini noodles. Oh, yeah. nice. I actually take a cheese plane and I plane the zucchini and then I stack it up and I just julienne. Oh. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have one of those. <laughs> we have a little one that's like a, it looks like a, almost like a huge pencil sharpener. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, it's very cool. low tech and I like it. I almost bought one because um, Kerr, like, or I mean um, Kilner, the jar company, mm-hmm. made one that goes on the top of a jar and then you what? twist it into it. And I was like, that seems cool. But then I bought their coffee grinder and said, I pretty much have like anything that has to do with canning. Because I'm like, <laughs> well, I probably need to know if it's good or not. Right. So then I'll buy it to recommend it to people. 
Yeah, and you can put it in your little store. Yeah, my little canning shop. Which you told me, Sarah, that you can buy this joy of cooking from you. You can, yeah. So uh, Sarah Masoni wanted me to bring a book, to, or wanted Megan to bring a book today, and I was like, I don't think she has any books because they've been <laughs> traveling so much they couldn't get their books shipped. So I have their books because I'm set up with their publisher to sell them because we did a sauce together. I think and that then is book. awesome. Yeah, so you can get it on our website as well. And I signed them. Yeah, we both signed them Yeah, for they're you. signed, yeah. signed copies, so... Where is Your it Your copy's already signed. What? Yeah, in the very front. But you could have Megan make it out just to you. I yeah, want, if you want it personalized. Yeah. Oh, there I see. <laughs> signed copy. What? <laughs> I don't even have to ask. I know. So cool, right? That's wonderful. But you should definitely have her make it out to you. Yeah, I will. Um, and that's the thing that I really love about um, this book is that, um, you know, everybody has, like... A copy that they have passed down or that goes on to the next generation Mm -hmm. it becomes part of people's lives Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it teaches you know it's given as wedding gifts as birthday gifts as when people move out to go to college it's like this integral part of people's experience is that a lot of pressure for you guys oh yeah absolutely (laughs) um that was probably i I mean every day we were like don't mess up today um because you know i think generations of home cooks have been using this book it gets passed down uh from one generation to the next Mm -hmm. so it is a big responsibility to try to update something like this and keep it sort of in the spirit of joy of cooking so that you know when our loyal readers open it up they don't feel like it's a total departure from what it used to be and you know it has I feel like joy has a really part of why it's been successful and part of why people love it is that it has um it has a personality of its own like it has just kind of a witty um fun to read voice Mm -hmm. and we tried to keep that in this edition um but we were thinking all the time about how to you know how not to (laughs) ruin the legacy that uh, irma and marianne and then ethan created with this book Mm -hmm. yeah you have to like continue the legacy but without erasing the past mm-hmm. and that that's a challenge and i felt a little bit of that pressure not i didn't think i was going to but when i was so i hosted megan and john at their pals reading that's right and when i originally said that i was going to do it i was thinking because i knew you guys didn't like to like talk in front of people that it would be you know helpful to you to have me just like talk with you there but I, what I didn't realize is what a big deal you guys are. So when I went and did my reading at Pals, there was maybe 10 people there. I knew all of them. Yeah. And it was very easy. When I showed up to Megan and John's, the room was full. They kept having to bring out chairs. My friend Shannon, right before we went up, was like, don't F this up. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, like I was totally fine. And then I got really nervous because I was like, this is a big deal. And like, we have to like, these people are here to experience this thing that they, is so important to their life. So then I got super nervous. (laughs) See, by that time, by the time of the Powell's reading, John and I were both so numb to the attention that we were just like cool as a cucumber. You guys were pros, man. (laughs) I thought that you were going to be nervous and I was going to have to calm you down, but it was kind of the opposite. I was like sweaty and like uh, my voice was shaky but oh, then, no. then then I like got it under control I didn't notice that you were nervous oh, if that helps I was <laughs> man I thought I was totally fine and then I was like this is a bigger deal than I thought <laughs> so talking about the book um, 
shows where you go around and show people your stuff and do a reading. At every city, do you have a different handler, or how is that working? Kind of. Um, so we would have escorts in each city who would drive us to our, our different events. And that's um, arranged by the PR firm? or Our publisher arranged it. Your publisher it. did. Yeah. That's like so you negotiated. Status, you negotiated that with your publisher, or this has we been the same not, publisher forever. It's been the same publisher since the nineties. Okay, um, but we, and we didn't really negotiate for that. But I think that they they know the importance of the book yeah. and how much people love it. And I think they, um, you know, that is reflected in how they they really this time around, especially they sent us on an amazing book tour. Mm-hmm. They hired a, an outside PR person to mm-hmm. help us, mm-hmm. um, which they've never actually done before for the book. Wow. So they invested a lot in helping us get the word out. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Because that can be really challenged to try and figure that out for yourself. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people in Portland that want to write books or have written them. And it's a huge hustle if you don't have that support from the publisher. Yeah, and we know that that is that our experience is not really the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, that most authors don't get the same kind of support. Yeah, it's tough. Sarah's shaking her head. Nope. Yeah, not, that <laughs> did not happen for me. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta that change that. I did. I had to set up, and I didn't go on a tour or anything. I mean, yeah. I I kind of ended up going to a couple places because I was already doing hot sauce things there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it kind of seemed like I was on a tour, but I was not. But you sold you sold all your books. Sold all my books. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. How many copies were printed? Um, I don't know the exact number, but it sold out the first year. Cool. So um, now I have printed some paperback versions to still sell to people. But it's it's kind of cool because if you go on like Amazon to buy my book, it's $100. Whoa. Because it's out of print. But I don't even have any of those books to sell or I would list them on Amazon. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Someone uh, someone huh. posted a, a copy of this new edition of George that has it's signed by us and they were selling it for like $500 which I thought what? was hilarious wow. that's they it's should, ridiculous that's like, not a that's not a thing what if they duct taped a banana to it <laughs> <laughs> and then that becomes like the single that's like version. the biggest thing like they somebody duct taped a banana to something and they sold it for 120,000 and then some guy ate it and then the guy ate it yeah and then wow. did they retape a, did they, they put tape a new banana, banana up yeah. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling really lost right now <laughs> Look it up. Have you not heard about this? You gotta no. duct tape your sauce to the wall and increase the price. If that would work, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I never have duct tape. Oh. oh yeah, no. Only only packing tape. Yeah. <laughs> Will that work? Probably. <laughs> Megan, do you wish that you could have met Irma? I do. I, I mean, I, I wish I could have met Irma. I think even more than that, though, I wish I could have met Marion. Yeah. Um, she seems based on everything I've read about her, she seemed like a really incredible woman. Mm-hmm. She um, she was like a self-taught botanist. So, And mm. she, she co-wrote a book about, um, it wasn't, I'm trying to remember, the book was called Wild Wealth, um, but it was kind of about plants and not necess- not just gardening, but some gardening and like landscaping, you know, she was really into that kind of thing. She was into modern dance. She was doing yoga in like the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband was a modernist architect mm-hmm. and they built this house in Ohio. That's it was like a Bauhaus style, uh, really cool, that is cool. Uh, mid-century style house. Um, and she just seemed like a really... I don't know, just an amazing person. She actually lived the last 20 years of her life battling breast cancer. Mm. Um, So she was doing, she revised the book two times and was doing all this stuff while she was 
trying to, you know, deal with breast cancer, um, which at the time, you know, the side effects for treatment were much worse than they are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was amazing. That is amazing. That was actually one of my questions, too. I wanted to know, did you meet any of these folks that had no. done this before? But must Ethan Becker? Yes. Yeah, Ethan. Yes. Um, that's John's dad. But Irma died in 62. Marion died in 76. Mm. Um, and John was born in 1979. So he didn't meet yeah. any of them either. Yeah. What do you think would have happened if um, you and John didn't take over to do this new version? I I don't really know. I think um, eventually the book might have been sold to or the family's, you know, stake in the book might have been sold to the publisher um, and it might have just become like a a publisher's, you know, a book put out by the publisher exclusively. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, that's probably that's probably what would have happened, which I don't want. We don't want that. Yeah. Do you, are you already planning your next version? Yes, we are. <laughs> so you could Which plan is like for 10 years, maybe in 10 years or something, they'll have the new thing. Well, we want to do, um, we want to do a hundredth anniversary edition, which oh. will be in 2031. Oh, perfect. So that's our plan. We actually the future. started making notes about a week after we turned in the manuscript. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we're, we're obsessed. Uh, that, I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> that that's sounds great. like you guys. <laughs> Are there things that you wish just right off the bat that you would have done different like yeah d- absolutely yeah. i mean we i wanted to have way more like west african and filipino food and joy of cooking mm-hmm. which we just like at a certain point you run out of time and space to do all the things you want yeah. um so we didn't really do that even things like um i wanted to include a recipe for how to make your own hominy or mm-hmm. um we don't have a recipe for arancini so there's like little things that you think of um some of them after the fact that you wish you'd have done differently. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you added 600 I new know. recipes. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> that is so many and so awesome. That's great. Yeah, I think the next challenge will be for this next edition, figuring out what we want to cut to make room for new things. Yeah. Because we really, I mean, that was the hard part. The hard part was not adding. It was, you know, taking away enough that the book would be one volume and not two. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think that that would not, I don't think that would fly yeah, with our I publisher or yeah. anyone. <laughs> I think that would, be, just for people in general, yeah, they want one cumbersome. book to give. It's yeah. already a huge book. So. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. What other things can you use this book for? Other than cooking out you of it? You could put a TV on it. We've seen someone use it as like a booster seat for their toddler. I'm the sure table. it's so, it's like, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. people don't have phone books anymore, so that's true. <laughs> Here's your book. Isn't there a leather-bound version, too? There is, It's but what? it's the last edition. It's not the new uh, one. Not the new one. Yeah, this, this company that does these really pretty leather-bound ones, they have all these different versions. For a while, it was getting attention because there's a black like a black leather one, and they were calling it the goth joy of cooking. Yeah, as what? soon as I saw it, I was like, that was made for me. Why don't I have yeah. one of these? And then you said that, that it's not actually something you do. It's no, it's a, a, def- a different company, and it's also $150. So that's why I don't have one. (laughs) Bucket list. (laughs) I know I should have put it on my Christmas list. Yeah, they're nice. Do you know what the company is that makes it? Oh, gosh. I can't remember now. I'm sorry. I'll just Um, just Google Google it. it. Black black leather goth joy of cooking book. (laughs) (laughs) And a picture of my face will come up. (laughs) Do you, um, so can you talk about a little bit uh, the different versions of 
of the Yeah, book. definitely. So first edition was published in 1931, self-published by Irma Rombauer, um, and only 3,000 copies were printed of that edition. So it's mm. definitely the rarest. Um, if you have one of those, it's probably worth at least a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, with a dust jacket, it could be worth more like twelve to 14000 So what? it's very rare and very valuable. Do you guys have a copy? We do. We have two copies. Um, one has a dust jacket. The other does not. Mm-hmm. Um, but And the one with the dust jacket is signed by Irma and by Marion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's certainly probably our most priceless possession that mm-hmm. we own. <laughs> um, then there was a, a version published in 1936, which was the first commercially printed edition. Um, so she, Irma, uh, signed a contract with a publisher. And then she did an, another one in the 40s, so 1943, and that's known as the wartime edition because it has information on um, how to deal with rationing. Oh. So using soybeans and soy protein instead of meat, um, wow. using less sugar, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, then there's one in 1951, which was the first edition that Irma's daughter Marion really helped out with. And then 1963 was uh, Marion's first edition by herself. And Marion also did one in 1975, which is the best selling edition of Joy ever. That's um, one I have. There's yeah. probably millions of copies. Yeah. It's probably worth 20 bucks. Well, someone <laughs> someone recently was like, oh, that makes sense because that's when all the baby boomers were getting married. Yeah, or that yeah they era. got that. That's when I was. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. But it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. Um, then there was one in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the 80s, John's dad, Ethan, was actually um, in pretty big fights with the publisher over uh, well they basically wanted to take editorial control away from the family Um, so he wanted to publish an edition in the 80s but was unable to because they just wouldn't accept it Mm -hmm. Um, so switched publishers in the 90s published the 97 edition um, which the New York Times called the new coke of the joy of cooking (laughs) and then there was another one published in 2006 um, by John's dad and um, yeah then this 2019 edition nice that's a big gap between the last one and the one that you guys just did. Yeah. We're, and you weren't working on it the whole time, right? We've been working on it in some way or another since about 2010. Oh, okay. Um, but initially, we were just doing a bunch of recipe testing um, and recipe testing from previous editions. And I've really, I think that that... We did about 1,500 recipes that way. And so I think that was really important to doing this edition because it gave us a huge overview of all the recipes in the book. And we would research where they came from, like which edition they were brought in. So we could kind of see the historical trajectory of all the different recipes. And that was really helpful for us. Well, that's what I like about just talking to you guys about it over the the years is that you've really become these experts on the history. And so, um, you know, if somebody asked me when something happened, I would be like, I don't know, maybe. But you like know every date and every version and, you know, where all the recipes come from. And I think it's really cool that you guys put in that, you know, I mean, of course, you know it, but to you're, you're now the storytellers and you right. like carry on this family tradition and business and, and tell the world about it. And we wouldn't be able to do that, I don't think, without. Um, so there's a woman. Her name is Ann Mendelson, and she wrote a book called Stand Facing the Stove, mm. and it's a biography of Irma and Marion, and also the uh, all the early editions of Joy up until like the 70s. Whoa, um, I've never heard what? of that. Book. It's amazing, that. and she researched that book for probably 10 years mm. um, before she wrote it, and it is the most detailed history. It's fascinating because it, it goes back to like Irma's, um, you know 
her parents and I think even her grandparents and like how it kind of explains, you know, the the social milieu that Irma was involved in when she wrote Joy of Cooking, because there's this whole history of like German Americans in the St. Louis area. And she was a big part of that. Um, and, you know, just a fascinating history of the book. So we both read that. And that has been hugely important to our understanding of the history and influence of the book. Yeah. Well, you guys do a great job of passing on all of that information because it's yeah. a lot. I mean, it's yeah. anthropology. Yeah. 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 It's so cool. Um, anything else that you want to tell our listeners or talk about? Um, oh my gosh. There's, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about with this <laughs> book. It just goes on and on. Um, Would no, you tell I, someone to write a cookbook? <laughs> um, Mm, I think it'd be different yes if no. you were starting on your own than yeah. than editing and updating. Absolutely. I mean, we always try to offer um, advice and help to anyone we know who's interested in writing a book or who is in the process of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the important things to know um, when you're writing a cookbook is that, you know, when you get an advance from your publisher to do it, that may be all the money you ever see from it. You may not ever earn out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of the reality. And lots of folks, well, lots of cookbook authors publish, you know, a book every year or every two years. And that's, you know, their source of income and it can Mm -hmm. work. You just have to go into it knowing that you may never see, you know, royalties from the printed book. Yeah. I wish I would have heard that. Before I wrote a book. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really good advice for people because I didn't know any of that. You just kind of get this thing and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, if you treat it like a, almost like a business card or like part of your resume that you've yeah. done this thing, that's that's one way to look at it. Or publicizing something else that you do, like you with your sauces. Yeah. That's a good way of going into it. In combination. Um, sort yeah. of co-branding and co-promoting is much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you thought about, I know we just have a few more minutes, but... Have you thought about two things? One, is there anything in this Joy of Cooking that you would commercialize? And two, what is your favorite combination of like three things in there for a perfect meal? Ooh, Those are two of my last Good questions. questions. Well, the first one, I have actually been... So John, my husband, is um, kind of unsure about what he wants to do next. He um, should come see me at yeah. the Food Innovation Center. Oh, yeah, he should. <laughs> yeah. um, but he has a recipe in here for... It's just called table salsa. Mm. Um, and I know that there's so many salsas on the market yeah. that maybe it wouldn't make any sense. But I think it's amazing. It's made with canned tomatoes. Yeah. Um, so it's really easy to get it consistently good. Mm. And it, you know, you can make it all winter because um, yeah. it doesn't rely on the quality of the tomato. Um, but it's fantastic. And I've joked that he should turn that into a side he, project. He totally should. I I actually have a couple other suggestions of something that he could turn into a product oh, yeah? because I've had them since he comes to Canning Club. And I, I'm pretty sure there are recipes in the book, but um, your chili crisp like, oh, yes. That is so good. It's so good. What it's is like, it? It's like this um, oil with chilies. And he's done a version for me because one has shrimp and right. I can't have that one. Okay. But he d- did another one so I could have it because I was like, I have to have this in my life. <laughs> so it's like fried chilies. Fried chilies, and garlic. Szechuan peppercorns, um, maybe? Yeah, Szechuan yeah. peppercorns. Ooh, it's so good. Ooh. And it has like shallots and it all gets kind of fried and crispy. And, and you can use like peanut. You can add peanuts. Is it topping or? Yeah, for like rice or you can mix it into a stir fry Mm -hmm. or make a dressing with it. It's so good. It's really good. And then also mango pickle. Oh, yeah. That's actually not in the book, Um, but he's made that a few times and it's so good. So Mm. I have a mango pickle that's that's in my book that I based on my friend Neha's family recipe and it's wonderful. But I had 
John's version. Uh-oh. And I was like, this is the most elegant mango pickle I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> I have like, to tell him so he said good. that. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I told him that while I was standing eating it out of the jar at Canning <laughs> Club. Ate the whole thing. Yeah, like, it was delicious. It was so good. It was like super silky and beautiful. Okay, awesome. so the three items for a meal would be? Okay, I would say, gosh. Okay, we have a... A roasted mushroom lasagna. Ooh. Um, and then I would serve it with, we have this, um, It's I think it's called Becker House Salad 1, version 1, or version 2. I can't, whichever version has, there's one with um, radicchio in it. Um, and then Becker making salad. it with my um, Dijon, I have like a lemon Dijon dressing that goes oh. really well with that. And then for dessert, an olive oil cake. Oh, olive oil cake's always good. Yeah. I bet Sarah's going to make that meal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to do it. Well, Megan, I just want to tell you that I'm super proud of you. Oh, super thank you proud so of much. John. I think you guys did a great job. I think you are honoring Irma and the family, and you created mm-hmm. this wonderful thing. And I just great legacy. Yeah, oh, I, thank you. I just want you to know yeah. that. I think it's so cool. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm really glad that you could be here today. Me too. You, you were my first like buddy guest, and so it was really <laughs> exciting. I've been looking forward to it all week. That's so cool. Thank awesome. you for coming. Me too. Yeah, I've been thanks. telling people, the lady from the joint. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me yeah. on your show. Yeah. Thanks for coming. We love to have you. Uh, we record Masoni and Marshall inside of Ned Space. Tune in live every week. Fridays at 9 o'clock, or you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to Alon, our audio engineer, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you'd like to be a guest or submit a press release, you can do that at startupradionetwork.com. And we will have the next two weeks off for the holiday, but then we'll be back. Yep. Bye, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.